listening to Your Bright Future, a Lava Ridge counseling podcast connecting home and school, where we share tips and tools to build a bright future for our students. Welcome to Your Bright Future with Mr. LD. And Mrs. J. Hi. Hi. We're always excited for you for you to join us. Um, we're so excited. This is our, our third kind of piece together. We've, we've done a segment with three different um, episodes or podcasts on on technology and how it kind of impacts our adolescents, our students, your children. And and this one's going to be on social media. The first one was on pornography. The second one, video games. And, and we're kind of just finishing up with social media. Fun topics, huh? Yeah, fun topics. And if you want to listen to those, you can go back and listen in the archive or any of the other topics we've touched on over the last two and almost a half years now. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe we've been doing this for that long. We have quite a few under our belt. That's good. And and so I just thought, I mean, social media, it's almost a given. Most of us know what that means. But when we're talking about social media, I think it's good to define um, just so we're all on kind of the same page with that. And, and the big ones, the big players in this, obviously, are Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram. YouTube is included in that and so many more. I mean, there's so many different new ones all the time and yeah. things popping up that are our, our students that we as adults access, but, but that's what we're talking about. And what is happening with these? Creating online profiles, posting pictures, ideas, comments, chatting, reacting to others, sharing links, creating and sharing game mods. And so much more once again. So you know, much other media, it it kind of yes. covers a lot. And it's it's so central to being a human in today's world. It's kinda of, it's kind of crazy how that's kind of changed. Yeah, and it's a big change from a lot of, our, of the adults in the world raising children now. So mm-hmm. it's kind of there's a strong learning curve. There's a big learning curve. But um it's also something that by the time we get to be as adults on Facebook or TikTok or whatever, the kids have kind of moved on to something new and different. So it's kind of hard for us always to be keeping up. So let's dig into some stats about social media use. So we've done a little bit of research and found out that total entertainment screen use per day on average for teens is eight hours and 40 minutes. Like we talked in our about in our last one, that's like a full time job. Yeah, right? that's crazy. Yeah, and for tweens, so the kids our age, um, sixth and seventh graders, the average is five hours and thirty minutes, which is still a lot. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of their day that is spent online. In two thousand ten, Americans spent three percent of their waking hours on phones, and in two thousand twenty one, thirty three percent. I mean, that's just an astounding increase in in a little over a decade, yes. right? That's, yes, that's crazy. and it and it makes sense when you think about it. How much we do and how much is available for us to do. Mm-hmm. Teens ever use mm-hmm. YouTube ninety five percent, and I'm not sure. Do we know what that means? Yeah, just like in an answer to a question, have you ever used? Oh, one so of they've these? if they've yep, ever yep. used. Okay, got that. So if they've ever used YouTube, it was ninety five percent, TikTok sixty seven percent, and Insta was sixty two percent, Snapchat fifty nine percent. So mm-hmm. by far the the majority of kids have used all of these yeah, platforms for sure. before. And then an answer if they answered use almost constantly YouTube was 19%, TikTok 16%, and Snapchat 15%. So still, big numbers. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, that's kind of open to interpretation, what it means to use constantly. 
But that's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> you know, and if 20% are saying they're using constantly, that's... Yeah, one in five. Yeah. So, yeah, it's something to be aware of. And now, and we don't want to, you know, paint a completely negative picture of technology use because there are a lot of great positives for sure, that for come sure. with technology as social media. Um, one of those is it's a big part of our social and creative life. You know, mm-hmm. we, in our connect with each other and we socialize, we talk, we chat. You know, me as a grandmother, it's an awesome way for me to keep track of my little grandbaby. I get to see him almost on a daily basis, or if I don't get to see him, I get to see at least pictures of him, uh-huh. you know, things like that. And our students are doing that too. They're using it to find new music and new artists and new things that they really connect with. Um, it's a good place to have fun and to make and maintain friendships. And they supplement students' real life. If in an ideal world, that's it's a supplement, not mm-hmm. it doesn't take over. And we'll mm-hmm. talk more about that. But um, a lot of kids today, their friendships, when they talk about friendships, they're talking about online friendships. That's true. And for someone from my generation, that's such an odd concept. <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to wrap my brain about. Like, you have a friend online that you've never met mm-hmm. in person. You maybe don't even know what they look like, but you are friends with yeah. them and sometimes have real strong emotional connections with those people. And so, you know, that's a whole new thing. Um, they connect to online global communities, mm-hmm. you know, so, so now this, you know, where you used to be able to only find people who have your similar interests, maybe in your little town and maybe there were only two mm-hmm. or three of you. Now you can connect with people all yeah. over the world that share those interests and can come together and talk and support each other in that, which is pretty amazing actually when it when you think about how big our world is and how many people there are out there for sure I I can think of students I've worked with that really you know feel like they're all alone until they find some of those communities and kind of network with other people which which is beautiful and awesome to have that connection and as adults I'm sure many of us can relate to that where we find you know, our people right out there in the world. And, and again, pros and cons to that, the, the virtual versus the real, but, yeah. but that is a cool positive asset aspect being able to do that. Um, some other big positives from, from social media, just learning. I mean, really we have so much information available from on, on the internet, but from each other. I mean, you mm-hmm. kind of pool all the knowledge on any given subject. I mean, if a student's interested in a specific video game or a specific kind of niche sport, you know, Mm -hmm. they could find it and they could learn about it and and learn more than anybody ever was able to 20 years ago. It's it's pretty incredible. And and find, you know, kind of networks and groups that that share that. Um, Hobbies and interests, just the same thing. And the creative aspect. Some of our students are so dang creative with what they do mm-hmm. online. I mean, we have some some students that, you know, it, it's kind of a competition to get more likes and shares and all that, which that, that can be an unhealthy thing. But it drives them to be creative and think outside the box and, yeah. and kind of be creators, which is so cool to see how that develops and how that manifests in these, these 11, 12, 13-year-olds. And, of course, for adults and, and older teens, too. Um, mental health and well-being. Again, kind of like just that feeling of belonging, self-help. There's so many great things I've used myself. Um, you know, when I've when I've had tough times in my life, and just reaching out to online communities. When I when I was a widow, you know, I was a mm-hmm. part of a few different widower groups and widow groups, and and kind of found solace and people that shared what I was going through. And, and I know that happens often for, for our students, for our kids as well. Yeah. So we don't want to downplay any of that, but just like any good thing out there, there's always, you know, the flip side and, mm-hmm. and you, if you use it too much or if you use it too in, a, in inappropriate ways, then it can be, 
you know, a detriment to life. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to be aware of some of these things and, and make sure that parents are aware because, um, so, you know, sometimes we don't think about it until it's too late. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we, until we start to see the negative effects and we're, then we go, oh, well, we should have maybe thought of that. For sure. For and sure. so these are just some things that we, you know, wanted to bring to your attention about social media. So, of course, and this is probably one of the most obvious ones that mm-hmm. on this big worldwide web out there that when students are getting on there and they're, they're younger and they're not being um, supervised a lot of the time, they can be exposed to inappropriate mm-hmm. content, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of stuff out there. There's mean, aggressive, violent, sexual, all kinds of things mm-hmm. that are inappropriate for kids. And not only that, but there are people in the world whose sole job and sole purpose is to find kids and expose them to yeah. that because they know that doing that is going to, um, first of all, maybe addict them to that mm-hmm, content. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it's going to generate future consumers of mm-hmm. that product. And so that means more profit for them. And so there's, they have reasons that they want to grab kids when they're young. It's kind of like when smoking was you yeah. know, banned from being targeted at children because they, they, the tobacco company was going after kids because if they could get them hooked early, then they would have a customer for life. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with some of these things. And, you know, depending on your student's maturity level and what they're exposed to in their normal lives, you know, they could be exposed to some pretty shocking things out there. Um, Some kids are just, some kids are just offended by, you know, swear words (laughs) in a YouTube video or something like that. But others who maybe have had some tougher lives, you know, takes more to be offended by that or to, to learn things they haven't been exposed to, but they're, I've heard it compared to, you know, handing a, a student a key to the liquor cabinet mm. or a keys to a car before they yeah, know how to drive. Yeah, that's and a good analogy. Just being something so dangerous. And if they're not supervised or not limited or kind of taught how to use it appropriately, then they will find mm-hmm. those inappropriate things. Mm-hmm. And, and that can change the course of their future yeah, lives. That's true. That's true. Right. And then so many of our kids are asked to upload inappropriate mm-hmm. content. Um, there was a survey done not too long ago and I don't have the exact number, but I was shocked at the number of girls who had been asked to send nude mm-hmm. photos wow. or selfies with, you know, yeah, sure, exposing sure. different parts of themselves. And it's, it's not something we want our students to be exposed to ever, but especially not when they're young and Mm -hmm. and so impressionable. But there's, you know, also embarrassing things. Like we've had kids that have been paired up on Mm loveridge.net, kind of shipping sites where they, you know, take picture of two kids and then they start teasing them about liking each other. And it's just embarrassing Mm -hmm. for kids. And it, you know, it might not seem like a big deal, but it's, it's, it can be bullying. It can be just, it, it can just be mean. And mm-hmm. so we want to protect them as much as we can from any of those kinds of things. And so the first step I think is always being aware yeah. that these things, that things are happening and then talking to kids and making sure that they know, you know, Hey, if someone asks you for something and you feel like it's not the right thing to do, come mm-hmm. and talk to me and let's just figure it out and, and find out what is appropriate and what's not appropriate and let me help support and guide you in yeah. that. For sure. And, and just kind of to piggyback that one, the idea of uploading things and or, you know, inappropriate or just small, embarrassing things. Fortunately or unfortunately, these apps make it very easy and frictionless mm-hmm. to do that. Oh, for sure. and, and these kids, these students, these children have very underdeveloped brains with that, you mm-hmm. know, kind of thinking and long term capacity and they can be very impulsive. And, and that can be a bad mix yeah. with, with, the, with the social media and, and just that impulsive nature of adolescence. Well, and they don't always know the 
magnitude of the internet mm-hmm. either. You mm-hmm. know, if a friend asks them to send them some inappropriate picture, they send it. They may think that that's private just yeah. between the two yeah. of them, not realizing that that image now is out there. For sure. And it could sure. be used in so many different ways yeah. to continue to haunt and embarrass and whatever, you know, give them trouble mm-hmm. all along the way. Yeah. So it's important that we talk to them about how big that can be and how important it is to really protect themselves from those things. Definitely. Um, some of the things that kind of go along with that, sharing personal in- info with strangers. And again, sometimes they're ignorant about that, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, like you said, they think they're just sharing with a friend or two. It's easy to screenshot. It's easy for people to share that kind of stuff. And 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 obviously, there's very dramatic, scary stories on the news. But but even just simple things like being, you know, telemarketers and advertisements <laughs> coming your way that nobody nobody necessarily wants those things. But you know, the the big, scary, infrequent stuff, or the more common just having your information out there. One thing that I didn't know until quite a few years into like using Facebook and things like that is that, you know, sometimes the little games that you play online Mm -hmm. where they ask you, like, they say like, click on your birthday month Mm -hmm. here and find out your, what jewel you are, what (laughs) flower you are, whatever, is that, you know, those, that those things then go into a database Mm. that then gets sold to people. And so they can piece that all together. And they're like, on what, maybe on one quiz you said August, was your birthday month and maybe mm-hmm. on another thing you found your your elf name by clicking on the day of your month. You know what I mean? And they can put that all together and, and then can do some identity theft kind of things. Yeah. And so it's really important to keep, if it's any kind of personal information, just be guarded about that and be careful about where you use that and try not to be putting too much oh, for sure. out there for other people to have and use. I, I remember one time, you know, our privacy and security is so available online now. And mm-hmm. for a long time, I was like, I'm not doing anything that I had to be worried about. Who cares? But then it clicked with me one time. The reason I, I think it's important to really care about that, if, you, if you're like me and like, well, I'm not doing anything bad, and who, it doesn't matter. But the reason I think that can be so pernicious and, and tricky, especially with kids, is, is they use that information to become more and more addictive to us. You mm-hmm. know, all of us, our social media, our phones, are tailored to us yes. to, to get our engagement. I mean, there's the cliche that if something's free, which most social media is, then you're the product. And what is that product? It's your time, it's your attention, and often your well-being. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's so troubling for, for all of us, but especially children. Yes. And, and, I, and I think that's just one good thing to kind of note. Um, other negatives, especially things we see here at school and counselors and with our admin is cyberbullying is a common thing. More and more, bullying isn't happening face-to-face. It's, right. it's moving into these digital spaces. Again, where it's just so easy. I mean, you don't even have to look the person in the face. Like if I said something mean to you right now, sit next to you, I would see it on your face. I'd get that negative reaction that my empathetic human mind would react to. Online, I don't get that There's reaction. I don't see you. I might get some likes or some laughs or some attention for it, but I don't see your negative reaction to it. So it's easier to do that than it ever has been. Um, this is a huge one, I think, displacing other activities, you know, where, mm-hmm. where your child or a student might normally be out playing with friends or on a sports team or doing other hobbies where they're kind of enriching themselves, but instead they're replacing it with just being on their phone. And and again, social media and technology has a great use in our lives and enhances in a lot of ways, but, but if it goes overboard and we don't have that balance, it could kind of eliminate some other positive things. Um, dishonesty, that's a theme that often I work with 
you know, there's students that will come in my office, and this was more often at high school, I will say, but but sometimes at this level, where students will talk about their social media use, and and they'll even say things like, "My parents don't let me have Snapchat," you know, and I'm like, "Well." what are you using then? They're like Snapchat, you know, and they just, they just lie and hide things from their parents. And, yeah. and, and I think that just kind of reinforces them to be duplicitous with the people that care about them the most, which right. is a troubling thing. Absolutely. We've talked about this one a lot before too, but um, it can really impact sleep habits and patterns because um, kids often will have their phone right next to their bed. They use mm-hmm. it for an alarm or for music to go to sleep. And then for whatever reason, um, they can't sleep. They're, you know, the YouTube uh, is, you know, channels are calling their name in their sleep. I don't know, but they're they're reaching out for that phone in the yeah. night, and they're staying up and they're watching and playing and chatting and talking and 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 as we all know, when you start doing those things, um, the time just flies by, mm-hmm. and pretty soon it's two in the morning. The light has been shining in their eyes the whole time, so it <laughs> it upsets their circadian rhythms, mm-hmm. and so it just does a lot of. Uh, does a lot of damage often to sleep cycles. And so then we see the effects of that at school because they come and they're so tired. They just can't even function. They're sleepy, falling asleep at their desks. They're, uh, they can't learn at their mm. best, you know, at their highest ability because they're so shut down because yeah. of their sleep. And so that's a huge one. We probably will talk about that many, many more mm-hmm. times again, sure. because that is one of the hugest ones that we see. And then we already alluded to the targeted advertising, mm-hmm. you know, that everything we see, and I am always, we kind of laugh at this at my house, because even if I just say something, sometimes I think if I just think something, <laughs> I'm going to get an ad on my phone to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that conversation or yeah, something. Yeah. And so, um, and so kids, you know, if they're giving that information out, whatever they click on, the algorithms and the, the design of those programs, of all the social media platforms, are designed to feed them more of what they click on and to kind of encourage those. And so they, they're sending them ads, they're sending them articles, they're sending them, you know, clickbait that is, going, mm-hmm. is designed to help them clip, click and click and click and mm-hmm. click, right? And so the more targeted they can be in that the more, the longer they keep you on and the yeah, longer they yeah. keep you going. And so, you know, that can be a good thing or a bad thing. I've, I've talked with my husband many times. I'm like, sometimes I like that because <laughs> man, I'm thinking about, you know, getting something for the backyard and we talk about it and then, oh, all of a sudden I'm getting yeah, you know, yeah. those cool ads on there that are exactly what I need. Mm-hmm. But other times it's not, it's kind of spooky and mm-hmm. a little bit irritating because you're like, I don't know if I like this, <laughs> but it for is, sure, for sure. it is. And it is, it is a double-edged thing, like you're saying, that, that is that useful and convenient on some level? Definitely. Yeah. But but again, the, the going back, their goal is just our time and attention, yeah. which can be used in a myriad of other ways. Yeah, and not necessarily for this age of students, mm-hmm, you know, because mm-hmm. they're not really going to be using that to sure. in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also the worry about data breaches, of course. Um, the more data that's out there and the more you have your email out there and the more information, you know, the more it could be taken or hacked. Um yeah, so I, I wanted to speak a little bit to this. Just um, I, I guess before I jump into the confidence, I, I thought I had FOMO. You oh, know, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's, so, it's so hard because when I, I mean, probably everyone listening to this, when we were in middle school, were we not invited to parties sometimes by friends? Of course, right? right? You know, and, and usually we had no idea that was happening. But I've had this happen a lot, you know, at this level and high school where students – 
they're hyper aware when they're not invited to things because, because they see it posted. happening in live. Yeah. You know, they see all their friends at a party or posting TikToks or Instagram stories and, and they're missing out. And they just say, what the heck is the problem with mm-hmm. me? Why didn't I get invited to that? And, and honestly, that makes me feel so sad because what little, you know, insecure 12, 13 year old would like that? And, yeah. and you know, I, I go back to try to project back to when I was in middle school, I would have hated that. But usually I would find out about it a week later and I'd be like, oh, you know, and you don't think about it because it's not happening right then while you're looking at all these fun pictures and videos of it. It it is difficult. Um, Confidence is a big thing. I I think it's so interesting. Uh, A couple years ago, there was a kind of breach of a study, an internal study that Facebook had done, and they, they knew how damaging Facebook and Instagram were to adolescents and specifically female girl adolescents. And and they know this, but they kind of covered it up and didn't promote it. You know, they didn't do anything to alleviate that because again, they want eyes, they want attention, but it is can be such a negative mm-hmm. impact. Boys too, but vast majority it's it's teenage girls that um it hits their confidence. I, I mean, I, I love the just analogy that, you know, going back, thinking of humanity, um, you know, throughout the, you know, millennia, for so much of it, you might be in a small village with, you know, a few hundred other people and you'd compare yourself to other people in the village. But as a young person, you felt good about yourself mm-hmm. as most people were old or disfigured or whatever. <laughs> but even when we were in school, we, we had a high school or middle school and there are a few hundred other kids and, and maybe we weren't the you know most charming or most attractive kid in school. But it was just comparing to that kind of small group. But now with social media, that whole thing's just been blown up mm-hmm. where you're comparing yourself to the whole world. And and often in artificial terms where there's influencer culture and people selling that stuff, where where so often it's photoshopped and artificial. Yeah. But but these teenage girls especially are comparing themselves to these again, people the most attractive, beautiful and, and often photoshopped people. Unrealistic. Yeah, unrealistic in the whole world. And of course they find themselves wanting and, and judge themselves neg- negatively. And and I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure as a counselor you see that come up. I, I do fairly absolutely. often. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but I feel it myself. You know, I think we do as adults yeah, too. Like yeah, we'll look at sure. those things and we'll be like, Oh, how how does that happen? You know, how do they look that way? Or how do they take this vacation? Or how do they mm-hmm. do all that? And how am I? Because we're comparing our worst day to their totally, best totally. day and often an, an artificially inflated best day. And so, you know, we all do, we have that natural, uh, that natural tendency to compare and to try to compete and, mm-hmm. and, and we always fall short when yeah. it comes to social media. There's very few of us that are living that, you know, so-called perfect life <laughs> that social media shows us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's so artificial and, 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 most of the time, not even a real real representation of that person's life. Um, just a quick research. This was kind of from Britain, but researchers discovered that girls who spend a lot of time on social media at a young age may be unhappier later on. So let's say your your child's on Instagram or Snapchat, you know, at the age of 11. It, you may not even see those negative impacts till later, you know, when they're 14 or 15. But in that same study, they found, and this is just interesting, that, it, that those same negative impacts weren't found nearly as much for boys. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of interesting to kind of see that 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 difference there. And and I think uh, are there negative impacts with screens with boys? Of course. And just anecdotally in my own experience, 
often that's the first two episodes we did, you know, yeah, pornography use and video games yeah, is kind of where that voice. happens more. And obviously, you know, there's exceptions and, and these are generalities we're talking about, but social media tends, especially at the adolescent age, to hit our, our female students more. Um, all right. So, of course, we've kind of painted some positive, but also kind of a, uh, a negative picture a little bit. But we, we don't want to, we never want to leave you, you know, feeling helpless and, and just overwhelmed with the negative. So, we, we always like to kind of put together some action items, some things you could right, do to help. Right. help yeah, we want in you to situation. know that there are things you can do as parents and, and that we can do as a school to kind of help students adopt healthy habits when it comes to social media, um, healthy attitudes, and especially, you know, some good, strong uh, habits that kind of limit some of this. So the first thing that that we would recommend as counselors um, would be to just delay access Mm -hmm. to this, right? The longer you can put off giving, you know, complete access to anything on the internet, but especially social media, the better. And I think most of the platforms, you know, even in their use policies and everything they recommend. They don't want anyone over 13, yeah, yeah. under 13 yep, to be yep. on these platforms. But how many kids do you know at our school that are on them? Yeah. You know, and even if parents aren't allowing it, they're still going on, they're adjusting their birthday, they're mm-hmm. creating accounts and maybe parents don't know. And so, you know, if anything that you can do to, to delay that. And I even personally always say I wouldn't do it until 16. If mm-hmm. I could have a big do over with my whole family, <laughs> I'd be like, not, I wouldn't do it till 16. Um, our vice principal here, Mr. Bozarth, he talks about how he didn't let his kids have cell phones until they were older. And, and that was a hard battle that he was yeah. willing to fight, but that he feels like it paid off quite a lot of dividends in the end. So it, it's going to be different for every family and it's a personal decision for every family. But, you know, we talk often about how you don't allow Teen, you know, we don't allow kids to go drive until they're mm-hmm. 16. We don't allow them to drink liquor till they're 21. We don't allow them to smoke until they're adults. And there are reasons for those age limits in place. And it's because developmentally, our students are not ready for the information, the habits, the behaviors, mm-hmm. right? And when you just allow unfettered access to the World Wide Web, yeah. then you're opening up a door for a lot of things that they're just not ready for. Yeah, they're for just sure. developmentally not ready for those things. Um, one way that you can kind of reinforce that delay or those expectations with your family is you can set up a contract. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this many times before too, but this is where you would get together as a family, students, parents together and say, you know, and talk about the expectations. What is it that we want as a family? We want to be happy. We want to be healthy. We want to be, you know, have strong relationships and and really kind of brainstorm some of those things and then say, okay, how can we get there? And mm-hmm. you start to write down, well, let's limit our phone use. Let's put away our phones at dinner time. Let's, you know, let's agree that we're not going to do social media until we're older. And this is why. And what that does is it provides buy-in from your students. Like they know the reasons why it's not just an an arbitrary, you can't have this. Mm -hmm. It's a, you can't have this because we are want to protect you and we want to have this as a family. And these are our goals and this is how we get there. And so it can be useful to have that kind of contract and then you also outline, you know, consequences and rewards for for what happens if the contract is broken or what happens if the contract is kept. And that way, 
it also limits a lot of arguments. It, it limits sure. power struggles because then you just refer back to the contract. Yeah. You say, the kids are like, mom, please, please let me have an Instagram. Please let me have TikTok. You say, well, what does our contract say? Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about this. This is why I'm let, not letting you have it mm-hmm. because there's all these dangers out there. You know, you tell me your side and maybe we can reconsider, but this is, you know, you have a chance to talk about it and to, and then you just refer to the contract and say, nope, we're going to stick with our contract. We can talk about it again in a, a few months when you're yeah. older. Right. So it just makes it a little bit easier to have a concrete way to refer to these policies and agreements we make as a family or or even, you know, as a community that we're going to do these things because they're best for yeah. us. Yeah. And I, I love the, like you emphasized the power of the contract just underkits those power struggles and those mm-hmm. arguments because you just say, well, let's see what we agreed to. Yeah. Right. You know, when they're, they're begging or pushing down the road, you could just say, well, and, and be open to revisions, of course, but you as the parent have the power there. Right. Um, another way is to just check on them often. You know, have open access. Sh- have them share their passwords so that you can get in and you can look and, and you let them know that, you know, they shouldn't be doing anything that mm-hmm. they wouldn't want you to see and that you are going to look often and you are going to see. And a lot of times kids, you know, reaction to that would be to, to create a Finsta, which mm-hmm. is called like a fake Instagram mm-hmm. account. And, and that's a difficult thing to kind of get around. But the more involved you are with the use and the creation and the kind of the follow through with looking at what they're posting and making sure that you're being involved in that, the less likely they are to get into those dangerous waters where they feel like they have to hide things or they have to create separate different accounts. And so I think once they realize that we're on their side as far as, you know, being protective and wanting them to have all the good things that come from the internet, but Mm -hmm. none of the dangers, I think that's helpful for kids. Yeah, no question. Um, One thing along with that that I was just thinking of is, is, if you want to delay and they're just begging, and, and many of you probably already do this for different like video accounts, have a family account. Like mm-hmm, if your kid really mm-hmm. wants to be on TikTok, say, all right, I'll set one up with you, but do it under your name. And they could, they could, you could watch videos as a family and kind of go yeah. through like, like we do with YouTube or Netflix or whatever it is, but you kind of share that so that, you know, if they are doing or looking at, you know, inappropriate stuff, you're aware of that. You yeah. know, that I think that's a good often kind of bridge between them not having anything and then before they're just totally on their own. So I, I think that's, I that's that a idea. great one. Um, limits, like I, going back again to how so often technology just replaces other hobbies and interests. We just need to set limits. I mean, and, and that can be a battle, right? But, but you could limit by time, by days, you know, mm-hmm. again, whatever works for your family that you're willing to monitor and, and uphold. I, I, but having some kind of limits at the very least a bedtime, right? Yes. I, I mean, that's one that we always hit the communication. You already talked about that, Tanya, but where you or kids will come talk to you. The a theme that we talk about a lot in these podcasts is you want to lead with love and not judgment, mm-hmm. right? If your kid comes up to you and talks about some a mistake they made on on social media or something they saw that was inappropriate, you don't ever want to react with you know anger or punishment right out the bag. You want to react with concern and caring. And and obviously, if they're breaking rules and, and they go against it, there's consequences. But again, lead with the caring and, and kind of, and that's what, again, going back to that contract, that's great to have that. You could say, okay, I care about you. You hear them. You're there for them. You're not judging, but you say, what did we say in that contract? You know, mm-hmm. we, we're going to do that. You know, you lose this for a few days or whatever you've decided. Um, 
modeling. This is often the trickiest one, but often the most important. But we want to model good social media use. If you're constantly, whenever your kid looks at you, you're kind of scrolling through your Instagram or Facebook or whatever, um, of course they're going to want to do that too. And you don't have as much ground to stand on when they're like, you're always on yours, you know? Yes, it's yes, it's yes. And it is tricky. It's it's, it's hard. My, myself, I previously spent way too much time on Facebook and Instagram and those kind of things. And I actually, for whatever reason, enjoyed a dose of little celebrity after traumas in my life. You know, I kind of was Facebook famous for a little bit. And on some level, it was super enjoyable and cool and mm-hmm. fun. But I spent so much time on there. It was replacing other activities in my life and interests. And, and I've scaled you know, way, way back on all my social media use, and I've replaced it with better activities for me. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not saying you need to go that far, but but just being aware of what you're modeling for your kids, I think Absolutely. is very important. Um, this is kind of a cliche I often say for my students, but I think it's so, so true. Um, we want technology in general to enhance our lives, to enhance our relationships, not to become them. If a student has great friends in real life, they have strong relationships with their fam, fr- family and friends, and then they have some online friends too, great. Mm-hmm. If they feel like they're not connected to anyone in real life at school, they feel like their relationship at home's rocky, their only strong connections are from online, that is problematic for many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but but again, we just want to use it to enhance our life. And the last thing often that I, I've read in my research of this, we want to be, and this is a good modeling tool for you and your kids, but we want to be actively engaged on social media versus passive. The big difference, if you find yourself where you're just aimlessly scrolling through your, your feed, that's passive engagement. If you're using it to create content yourself, to connect with specific people, uh, like you said, to connecting with your yep co- lot, conversation, yeah. connecting with your grandkids, your family, yep. that's active where you you kind of have a goal in mind. Versus, and we've all done this. I'm very guilty of this on Reddit, just endlessly scrolling down, being like, uh, I don't want to do anything else. I'm bored, so we just pull out and just doom scroll, right? Yeah. Um, that is problematic. That's when we lose sleep. That's when we fall into things that are inappropriate that we're not necessarily seeking out. So we we just want to be very careful in us modeling that, but also with our kids. Okay. So lots to take in. This is kind of one of our longer podcasts. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's a lot to, a lot to talk about, a lot to take in, and we just barely scratched the surface, but we hope that what you'll take from this today is that, that our kids need to be protected and, and it's our job to kind of watch and monitor and help them grow and learn into it. So because this isn't going away, Mm -hmm, it's here mm -hmm. to stay. Um, We have to kind of learn how to use the tools that are given to us and to remain healthy. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of our goal with this podcast is to help parents and and even to kind of reinforce our determination to help help kids find the way through all of that. So thank you for listening again. Please share. We want to get this in the hands of as many people as we can. So we'd love for you to share and follow our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we've all, as always, have the links on our website, counseling.laverage.net and slash podcast. So you're welcome to go there. Um, and as we always say, we are always available to you as parents. We want you to come and talk to us, to call, to, we, we consider ourselves a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's counselors, parents, teachers, kids all working together uh, to create bright futures for our yeah. kids. So thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye.